0: Now get ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey hey hey! We've got uh, Mr. Eric Friesen on with us tonight, and uh, we're going to uh, have ourselves a little bit of a show. Um, Eric, you there? I don't. I think you're still on mute. So when you got a chance you hear me now? I can hear you now. Perfect. So it's uh, Oilers Live Tuesday edition. And uh, welcome again, as always, uh, Eric. One of my, uh, in fact, probably the one guest that I've had on the most on the show.
1: Yeah, I would like to think we've, over the past three years, probably done somewhere around 30 podcasts or live streams together. I would ballpark it in there.
0: Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a few. that's like once a month actually probably on exactly since the start ah and lots going on i mean we're we are a day out of um really probably one of the bigger signings that the oilers have done for a little while yeah and uh and then uh all sorts of rumors all sorts of other things so we've got on tap tonight we've got uh We'll we'll talk about the draft, of course. We'll talk about Hyman, who I just mentioned. Uh, talk a little bit about Nurse, maybe Neil, with uh, in terms of the buyout uh, goaltending. I'd like to get your thoughts on um, you know what your how you feel Ken Holland's doing uh, so far, and uh, maybe Duncan Keith. I spent the last uh, few weeks, of course, leading up to the draft, talking about all of the um, all of the different prospects and that, uh, which. Uh, uh, of course uh, as that um, as that came to fruition uh, none of it um as you'd expect in any draft none of it um was anything like what you expected so there's uh-huh. that uh, as well so let's uh let's start with uh let's start with the draft um as i said it wasn't um it wasn't at all what anybody expected i think a lot of people a lot of folks that had hoped for uh, Casa, of course, local guy. Yep, right. Uh, he um, he wasn't available, as as we know. eiserman traded up to get him, uh, and uh, and then um, we traded down, and by trading down, we lost our opportunity at Wallstead, and ended up uh, with um, you know fellow from Schwinnigan, uh, Xavier burgo So what um, what are your thoughts overall on the draft? Of course, we did add in a third rounder uh, at number 90, which, um, you know, would have been 116 before we picked again. So your thoughts overall on on how the draft went.
1: Right. Well, I think first, just to start, the draft has been one of the biggest days on the Oilers calendar over the past, uh, we'll say, 13 years or so. And the reason that it's been one of the biggest days on the calendar is because the Oilers have perennially been at the bottom of the standings. So when you are one of the bottom teams in the league, it's pretty straightforward who your draft pick is going to be, or pretty close to it at least. And when I looked at this year's draft with the Oilers picking originally 20th, but the 19th pick because Arizona had forfeited their pick, you know, it's it's a lot harder to get a read on who the Oilers are going to take because it's not a year when they're picking first overall and it's you know a, a Hall or a Nugent Hopkins, Yakupov, McDavid, even a cycle at third overall. This is, this is a year similar to the, new, um, the Yamamoto draft in 2017 where there's like a range of players that you have your eye on and Yamamoto actually was the guy I wanted and I was surprised they were able to still get him but looking at this draft i think because the ohl first of all didn't even have a season and scouting was so much harder to do because these scouts weren't able to travel and see these prospects all around the world or interview them in person it was such a crapshoot of you know where these guys were going to fall and where they would end up being picked in the draft and ken holland telegraphed it about uh, I believe two days before the draft when he did his press availability and said that the Oilers would be likely taking a forward in the draft. He wants to add to the prospects up front. They have a lot of defensive prospects. Last year they picked all forwards in the draft for the first time in franchise history. And the goal I think this year was to continue to add to that group. And that's exactly what they did. They traded to get a right winger and also Play center Xavier Borgo. And it was a pick that was controversial, and that's nothing new under uh Holland's time with Edmonton. Not you could at all. say that you could say all three of his first round picks have had some controversy, but you know, Holloway is starting to look like a real stud. And we have Broberg, who just turned 20 a couple weeks ago. He's still that young, and he is a promising young defender with a great combination of size and speed, which is always intriguing. And now you've got this kid Borgo who scored 20 goals in 29 games in the Quebec League this winter, which is an impressive rate of scoring. I just have to say that I'm a little, you know, disappointed that some people were already jumping on the kid as a result of them not drafting Wallstead with that pick. And it, it signaled to me a couple things. Number one, they have a lot of faith in Connor to potentially be the goaltender of the future, and his yep. KHL, you know, his KHL numbers would suggest that that he does have the potential to be a starting goalie in the NHL, despite being only five foot eleven or six feet tall, depending on which scouting report you read. And the other thing is that they need players who are going to have an impact in the Connor McDavid era. And there is a better chance that Borgo will be able to help the Oilers sooner than Walstead would, even if he is a future franchise goalie. And we don't know that he is going to be. He could turn out to be that. But the fact that you have a guy like Borgo who, you know, should be a top six forward at the NHL level, and maybe because he's a bit of an older prospect. Let's remember he's born in October 2002, so he will be 20 years old when next NHL season starts, the 2022-23 season. The fact that he's a bit of an older, more established prospect with three years of junior hockey already under his belt, this winter will be his last season before turning pro either with Bakersfield or Edmonton. I think that it's a, it's a good bet to take a guy who is such a natural goal scorer and hope that he can eventually find a, a spot alongside either Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. So, uh, in short, I would say I'm very pleased with the pick. And I think that the oilers have added a quality forward prospect to their group.
0: Yeah, I you know, I mean, there's there is no doubt in my mind that he's a quality player, right? I think that I think sometimes in people's ire they they forget that fact, right? Like if you, you know, if if there wasn't a Wallstedt available in the draft at 19 or, or 20, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I mean, would would people have been as upset with uh Burgo? I mean, I honestly, I mean, as as a lot of people did, they thought uh, you know, pretty much everybody had Wallstead ahead of Casa, and, and a lot of people thought Casa would be gone before the Oilers got up. And he was. Yeah. I expected uh Wellstedt to go uh not long after that. So you know, I'm I was surprised um, he
1: fell. I I you know he was Ranked, I believe, tenth overall in the draft, and Kosa uh, was nineteenth. Yeah. By the so you know the fact
0: yeah, that I, yeah Cosa was right around that nineteen range uh, with just about everybody that I saw.
1: So he looked like he could fall to the Oilers potentially, I and mean, then when the Red Wings traded up to grab him, and you saw that Wallstead was still available, and of course Nashville isn't going to take him because they just took a goalie in the first round last year. It was right there for the Oilers to pick him. That being said, just sorry to jump into what you were saying before, but um, I, I say this not just to you in personal or me, but to everyone. How many times have you watched Walstead play a full game? And how many times have you watched or play a full game? <laughs> well,
0: you know, I, and I, that was the point that I was going to get to, right? I mean, there's, you know the there's a lot of folks out there right that just get mad right like they you know yeah. they heard that the oilers should be taking a goalie. we and hear about
1: all this yeah I they're mean, not can...
0: they're not even they're not even sure why that is right or or for that matter you know if 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 the uh you know some of the uh more followed uh Twitter folks or Instagram or Facebook or, or what have you, if they had said that we shouldn't take a goalie, then they would have been mad if we did. And, right. um, you know, that's, that's kind of the way the fan base goes, you know, and, and for the most part, I mean, you, you know, it's, it's, you know, a goalie is not going to show themselves just as you said, Burgo's more likely to, to settle in right away, you know, and, and, um, I, you know, I, Holland's got a couple of things up his sleeve. I, look, I, 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 and I know this, I know you and I disagree yeah. on how effective Tippett is, And, and I'm, I'm, and I think we, you know, I think we're, we're starting to diverge a little bit on, on Holland's effectiveness. Although I, I still think that Holland is an incredibly shrewd, shrewd guy. He's done some things that, you know, I, um, I don't, uh, I don't expect and, and, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to jump all in and say, I love what he's doing. Cause there are certain things where I question, you know, and we'll talk about Duncan Keith, uh, maybe right. at some point, um, that I'm not overly happy with and, and some questions that I have, like, I think that, you know, he got, um, taken to the cleaners on that particular trade. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, you know, we've seen this uh, over over his uh, tenure with the Oilers. Is is yeah. he's patient, right? He's thoughtful in his approach, and he has a plan, and he's not afraid to stick to that plan, despite what you know anybody else around might say. And and so, I respect that. Uh, you know, because I yeah, I I wish you know, after this episode tonight, I'm going to go and find out who said it, but one of the GMs and help me if it was Cirelli, but a GM once said, you know, I'll be uh, the quickest way to being a fan is by listening to the fans or something along that lines, right? <laughs> Those lines. Yeah. And, and, um, and Holland is good at at making the decisions that he thinks he needs to make. And so, you know, I've always kind of respected that about him. Um, I just want a uh, little call out here, uh, you know, before we get going, Brian Wood. uh, on Twitter says all the rumors are killing him. Hyman gets laugh. Uh, CC, what a haul that would be. I haven't heard the CC rumor yet, but if you've heard it, let's um, let's chat about that. Uh, Jeannie, uh, who who I love, good uh, follower, and uh, on Twitter, um, I asked you know what everybody's thoughts on on Hall and taking it forward in the first round. Jeannie says she's impartial. Uh, he'll probably be able to help the Oilers sooner than a goalie would. Uh, Smart move, though, to gain a, um, she says, second round, although it was a third-round pick. Um, But, uh, yeah, in fact, I I mean, that's the big thing. And and here, look, you know, not to belabor the point, but uh, look at what Vegas did when they were in expansion draft. Look at what Seattle's doing now. While those picks, you know, if you go on the analytics and that, they're not likely to be NHL players. Right. You need a number of those picks to build a team and you need them to make for uh, future trades. You need them for all sorts of different reasons. Yeah. Those picks are currency and uh, just picking up picks and picking up prospects. That's all currency. Right. I mean, if you have one, pick, don't don't really fully get that.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, when you're picking in the third, fourth, if anywhere after that, the deeper rounds of the draft. If those players even play one game for you in the NHL, I would say they've exceeded expectations. Absolutely. And if you get a guy like Caleb Jones in the fourth round and Ethan Baer in the fifth round, who both end up being at least semi-regular to regular players in your lineup, then you've absolutely hit it out of the park with those picks. And you mentioned Keith a minute ago, so I'll just touch on that. I like Caleb Jones as a player. I think he skates well. I think he passes the puck well. He seems like a likable kid. He's been you know, on this very channel before with, the, with you and his mom as well. I mean, mostly, mostly his mom, actually. But I think he peaked in one episode, correct?
0: Yep. yep. Yeah.
1: I mean, seems like a great kid. And you know, he played 93 games in an Oilers sweater. That's 93 more games than you would expect from a 117th overall pick. Absolutely, so, yep. So they did well there. And... The Oilers have done well with some later-round picks in recent years. I've liked their drafting a lot more in the last, say, five, six years than I did the previous years where it seemed like other than those top of the draft picks, they weren't really hitting on anything, even in the second round. So, you know, for the Oilers to now be trying to recoup some picks, like you said, with the trade and, you know, get back in the game a little sooner on the second day of the draft, I don't have a problem with that. They didn't get the highest grade overall. It, it seemed like a lot of the, the so-called draft experts didn't love their, their draft. Um, the Borgo pick seems to be pretty well received. I think he was picked right in the range where he should have been. And I don't know if you saw it, but I put out a tweet the other day showing which players drafted in the first round had the highest NHLE. And for those who don't know, NHLE means NHL equivalency, which basically suggests how difficult the scoring rate was in their respective league and how those points will translate to the NHL level. So if you look at it, Borgo actually had the fifth highest NHLE of any player picked in the first round. The only ones ahead of him were Dylan Gunther, Matt Coronado, Chaz Lucius and Cole Sillinger. So uh, Xavier Borgos NHLE was actually 32 which means that he would be projected to score 32 points in 82 games as an NHL rookie and you know not everyone is going to be a Connor McDavid or uh, a Leon Dryce. I mean Leon had a, a bit of a slow rookie year his second year in the league he he started to really break out but you know what I mean to to score 32 points as a rookie is a pretty good total and I think he could be a guy who's a 50 plus if if not higher point player from there. the All I'm just saying is in terms of offensive potential, I think they got a really good prospect in Borgo. So I don't think anyone should be lamenting this pick or really feeling bad about it. Sure, they, they might have not taken the guy that you wanted, but as, as good of a goaltender as Wallstead might be, um, obviously the organization felt that acquiring some more forward help, skilled forward help, who are going to come in on cheap contracts under a million dollars during the McDavid era. That's a valuable asset in itself. Isn't it, Michael?
0: Oh, uh, 100%. Right. And, um, you know, I look, I, I still, would so, you know, if I had to, I, I still would have picked Wallstead. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. And
1: there's nothing wrong yeah, with that. I yeah. mean, And, look, and, but at that, having said that,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, but what you, what you have to say, I mean, you're not wrong. And, and, and neither is Holland wrong. I mean, this is it's still the first round. It's still later in the first round. You're still picking up a third round, you know, draft pick, which as you know as you're saying, like those things are valuable going down the line, right? And um, uh, you know, in this and and um, you know, you can't be I don't know. I I think what the only thing that bugs me about this and we're going to move off the draft because we're, you know, we're done with that and we've spent a lot of time on it already, <laughs> but but the one thing that bugs me about this in terms of the fans yeah. and the way the fans are viewing this is a it's draft. Right. And so, you know, it's a bit of a, you know, crap shoot already. Right. You know, whether you, whether you like it or not picking at 19 or 20, you know, is, is, um, you know, I mean, there's, I think that it's around like a 15% chance that they're going to play you know, meaningful games in the, in the NHL. Right. And so, you know, already it's, uh, you know, it's, you you don't know what you're getting. And if you get somebody good, that's great. And so you go after the player that you think, you know, is best. And if you're looking to have somebody, you know, go out, you know, um, do something for your team immediately, that's going to be a forward. So anyway, long and short is there's way too much made of one pick, in the draft and and how much and what it means for, you know, Edmonton and and for Ken Holland. And we, you know, we heard Elliot Friedman talk about it, uh, uh, recently, right. Which is that, you know, players are, are saying, Hey, stay away from North uh, the North, right. Because you're, you know, you're going to be lambasted on social media. You're going to be, you know, those types of things that, that, um, you know, free agents look at when they're looking at teams and, and, uh, and so you know, I think at some point, Oilers fans can look in the mirror a little bit and and uh you know maybe calm down just a little bit in the areas where you should calm down.
1: I and think also- there
0: there are absolutely areas where you could get upset, yeah you know, as a fan, you pay your money, you, you know you buy gear like everybody knows I buy a lot of gear, lots of reasons <laughs> you could get tons you know really upset, but The draft is honestly like don't waste your time on it,
1: especially when they're 18 years old and it's the day of the draft. We can evaluate this draft three to five years down the line, but it's it's so tough on the night that these kids are being picked to analyze it too deeply. And also, if I can just say just before we move on, while the Oilers overall draft all didn't get the highest grade. Uh, they did get some props for drafting Matvey Petrov in the sixth round, 180th overall. And he was the first overall pick in the CHL import draft last year. So this is a guy who could have top six potential in the NHL if he makes it. But it's a matter of, is he going to stay in Russia? Is he going to come over and play in the OHL for North Bay next year? There's some options out there. I just
0: wanted to throw that in quick. Yeah, no, 100% agree. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on to Hyman. Uh, yeah. And uh, let's just, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this. This has been mm-hmm. talked about a lot. Uh, we kind of, one of the things I'd like your thought on is, um, like Dubis not taking the deal. Like, what's your thought on that? I mean, as you know, we're just talking about fans being upset with moves that are made or not made. If you're Tor- if you're a Toronto fan, don't I, aren't you just question a little bit? I mean, Dubas, you know, analytics guys love him because he seems yeah. to, you know, play the analytics mm-hmm. game. But didn't the analytics game tell you, like, get what you can get. You know, if you can get a, a third, I think it was a third round. I heard was one of the rumors, the third round. I think round it pick.
1: was even later than that. You're- I, they might have upped the offer. I believe it originally was a sixth or seventh round pick. And okay. He was,
0: okay. He was I was mean, pushing for a second. But which take is, whatever, <laughs> take what you can get, right? Like, so tomorrow. It's a free asset. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I'm just, to me, it's, it's baffling. And, uh, you know, he, his suggestion um, from what I saw was that while well, it helps the Oilers more from a cap percentage, But honestly, like other than this year, if that was last, if this was the past year when we were in the same division, I get, I get that thinking. But the only way the Leafs meet up with the Oilers in the playoffs is if it's for a Stanley Cup going forward, right?
1: I honestly think there's a bit of an unspoken rivalry between the two cities, and it seemed to have started right around when McDavid was drafted. Uh, to be honest, the Leafs really weren't a team that I thought about much before that. I know some people will say, oh, I've hated the Leafs forever because they've always you know, got the most attention or been on TV uh, more than any other team. They weren't a team that I really felt strongly about one way or another up until sort of the, the start of the McDavid era where they really started to, I felt like their fan base. Became, started to attack the Oilers fan base and the Oilers a little more. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's all fun. It's rivalry. It's whatever. But uh, the, the constant commentary on McDavid wants to play in Toronto. He doesn't want to be an oiler. You know, at, at some point that is just going to stoke the fires of, of the rivalry. And I, I feel like those two cities have really sort of got Something started over the last four years, and it looked like they were headed for a playoff clash in the second round this year, which would have been a very entertaining series to see McDavid and Matthews go up against each other. Unfortunately, we didn't get that, but you know what I'm saying. It's 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 not a big rivalry, but maybe they did not want to trade with them in general. I'm I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I I I still. I don't get it rivalry or not. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. And, um, you know, if, um, love or hate Burke, but he was, uh, you know, I've heard him speak on these sort of topics lots of times, you know, you, he said, you know, you always wanted to make sure you got a win, win, uh, in any negotiation with other GMs, cause you're going to be trading with them in the future. And, and, uh, certainly, you know, if I'm Holland and I'm looking at Dubis down the road, I'm saying he's a uh, difficult to deal with. Right. Um, I see, you know, I mean, Dubas in my mind, anyway, he's got about a year left to kind of prove that he can get past the first round. So he's in more trouble than I think Holland is. I think Holland's got a little bit of, uh, leeway, maybe another, another season, but uh, we'll you know, it's
1: so funny. I remember when Dubas was first hired, I, I wish I could remember exactly who said it, but there was someone from the Toronto market who said, because he's so young and, you know, so intelligent and ahead of the game. He could potentially be the Leafs GM for the next 20 to 30 years. And I thought, 20 to 30 years in that market? That's, that's unless you're winning like, you know, multiple Stanley Cup championships, I doubt that they're going to keep you around as long as, say, Lou Lamorello was in New Jersey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, it would be surprising to say the least. (laughs) All right. Uh, what do you think Hyman brings to this team? Like, do you think, I mean, lots Uh, of, lots of discussion around, uh, him, you know, possibly aiding, uh, Connor on, on doing 150 points this year. (laughs) Um, just hold on. I want to, I want to recognize just a couple of comments here right now. Uh, Luciano on, on Facebook, um, you know, he's, he's talking about the Larson, uh, Larson signing in in vegas and and says uh, and keith and and you know the suggestion, right, which I think a lot of people agree with um that um it's good to have somebody with keith's experience and and maybe it was good for for Larson to move on, uh, although you know it was it was disappointing for him to move on. the oil drop good guy, who has also been a member of the show, says dubis Dubis put his career on winning the cup next year which I think is 100%, right? He's got, Dubas has got the most unique, right, salary cap situation in the league, you know, in terms of uh, putting all of his money into a few assets, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, it's um, his, that's where his career is. And, uh, you know, he's young um, enough, right, that it's not, it's not a big deal for him.
1: Yeah. 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 And I sometimes wonder, first of all, about Hyman, why the Leafs couldn't get it done with him, why they couldn't make something work. I mean, this is a kid who's from Toronto. He's played his whole NHL career in Toronto over the past six years. You'd think that he would want to stay long term and and play his entire career there, if possible. And is it just a matter of the Leafs didn't want to? give up the type of money necessary to keep them or was it that you know he was or that they're looking for a different option to play alongside Matthews I'm not sure exactly how it all broke down but I know that Hyman toured Edmonton that was put out by I want to say uh Elliot Friedman put that out I, I can't I'm trying to remember which insider had that but he definitely toured Edmonton you know saw the city Met with the GM, saw the building and the training facilities and everything. Look, when when we went into the free agent period, I wasn't sure who the Oilers were going to try and get as that long term fit beside Connor McDavid. And to be honest, I thought you know a guy like Gabriel Landeskog would be the ideal pick if they could get him, or even a Brandon Saad. Zach Hyman wasn't even really on my radar that much. That being said. When you look at the things that he brings, he might be a real asset to this team because he is such a gritty player. He brings some physicality. He can dig pucks out of the corner. He's got underrated playmaking ability. He's got decent hands. He goes to the nets and finishes. His finishing ability is excellent. A lot of those pucks that McDavid or possibly Dreisaitl, whoever throws on net, he's going to bury them. It's almost like they, if they were able to get a bit of a faster version of Ryan Smith uh, in his prime. And I'm not saying that Hyman is Ryan Smith, but you know, there are maybe some similarities between the guys. And if you could bring a younger, faster version of Smith and put him beside Connor McDavid, that could be just a great fit. And while you, if you look at Hyman, he's never scored more than 21 goals in an NHL season. However, over the past three years, he's averaged 28 goals per 82 games. So if you're asking what I that's yeah, expect- impressive, <laughs> it is. So if you're asking what I would expect from Zach Hyman, I'm expecting 28 goals. That's that would sort of be if you're playing uh, first line left wing with Connor, even if you're not getting power play minutes, that should be the expectation, especially at five and a half million.
0: So if to answer your, or it wasn't really a question, but about why he doesn't end up on the Leafs, I think it it has more to do with, you know, he, he, I think he asked, right? Like, I think he asked to talk to other teams and Dubas said, yeah, go ahead, talk to other teams. And I think the reasoning was uh, likely anyway, is that when his agent spoke with Dubas, they wanted term knowing that they could get term, right? Some stability for his, you know, for his life He's, you know, is he's going to get seven years. Right. And, yeah. uh, and, and I think they knew in advance that that was going to be, you know, a potential on the market for him, uh, and that he had that op- opportunity. Now, if you go seven years on the Maple Leafs, uh, salary chart, right, that starts to eat yeah. into some of these big players that Dubas and the team's going to have to resign. And you know, if you, I, while Dubis is putting it, you know, he's there's a lot riding on this year. I think for him, and I don't think Stanley Cup has has to necessarily be the end result, but certainly a first round win uh, needs to be there. I think that he, um, you know, he's he's still got to worry about the future. And three years from now, you know, um, you know, in the 2024 season, he's got a couple of big contracts in Nylander and Matthews mm-hmm. that are going to come up and 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 it's hard to say where the cap's going uh, at this point. And, and so, you know, I would like to
1: think that after a couple of years of the flat cap, we'll get back to the salary cap rate rising again. I mean, if you think about it, the league still, while it's not on the same level of popularity as some of the other bigger sports in the United States, it, it still has gained a, a lot of popularity since 2005, since coming back from the lockdown. And I think that with the new, TV deal uh, regarding ESPN and TNT, as well as Seattle coming into the league, there is going to be an injection of money. So one would think that over the next five years, that salary cap will climb and it makes the 5.5 cap hit not hurt as much, especially if with Dylan Holloway potentially filling that spot. Like I, that's the one thing that I sort of worry about a little bit is that what if Holloway a year and a half from now is ready? To be a top line winger next to McDavid, and you've already kind of got Hyman in that spot. Well, now you have to look at potentially either having Holloway with Drysital, or maybe you move Hyman down with sidle and Holloway goes up. And then, of course, Nugent Hopkins then becomes your third line center, which is fine too. It just it's going to have to rejig the lineup a little bit with uh, you know, with Holloway or sorry, with Hyman and Nugent Hopkins now signed the long term deals.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I. You know, I I think um, I think though, you know, at, at uh, five and a half, you know, it, it and um, things are. I think that's a, that's a manageable contract, right? And it, it doesn't, um, you know, it's not like the Lucic contract, right? That um, it was really oh. sort of buyout uh, <laughs> <laughs> proof, buyout proof, right? And so, I mean,
1: it's six percent. It's six percent of the seller cap on Hyman. I, I think I can yeah. live with that.
0: Yeah and uh, I mean he's going to be a good uh, well you would suspect a good player for at least 3 years, 3 4 years and then you can make your decisions on him from there, right?
1: I just and- think he's going to be loved in this town though because he is a gritty goal scorer and those guys have always been loved by Oilers fans.
0: What amazes me when it when you talk about Hyman is the amount of, you know, uh props the guy got around you know, Leafs fans, as soon as they knew that he was on the board for the Oilers, right? Like Leafs fans all over, all I heard is Oilers, you're going to love, you know, Zach Hyman, like it just, you know, just to talk. And you know what? I think if this team is constructed right, you know, the nice thing is you got a guy like Hyman, I, I think he can go up and down, you know, from one and two, right? Like he you know, we might not see him stick with Connor. We might see him end up with dry side. All right. And I think, right. And I think a a player like that, you have that capability. Right. And so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right. uh, Hyman is done. Uh, I know um, Brian Wood was talking about all the rumors earlier. One of those rumors is nurse possibly nearing a four-year extension. Uh, Your thoughts on that. And and, um, let's talk about defense at the same time, Yeah. Uh, because we've got, you know, lots of, you know, Brian was talking about a lot of rumors being out there. Tons of rumors right now. Uh, Lots of discussion on Oilers Twitter around, you know, whether, um, you know, Bear might be going somewhere or, you know, is Barry going to be, um, you know, an oiler again? And and, uh, what's going on that way? Uh, but let's start with um, Darnell Nurse. Now, I hadn't heard this rumor until you brought it up, and and so the rumor is a four-year extension. Yes,
1: I don't uh, believe that the details on the term or uh, sorry on the the cap hit have been put out, but there were rumblings on Twitter today, I believe, by Pierre LeBrun first, and then Elliot Friedman might have jumped on that as well, that the Oilers are in discussions with Nurse on a four-year extension. Now. Nurse still has one year remaining on a two-year deal that pays him $5.6 million per. And if you look at it, his two best friends on the team and the two best players on the team, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, are locked up for five and four years respectively. So this deal, if he were to sign a four-year extension, would keep him in Edmonton as long as McDavid is here and one year less than Drysidal. And I think that why this contract might work for nurse is that all three players five years from now can sort of see where things are at and ultimately decide if they want to be career Oilers. And obviously the goal is that they will want to do that. I believe that, you know, as legacy players, they want to see this through and win a Stanley cup here in this city. So I think with his best friend, and uh, Nurse under contract for the same amount of time. That's something that would be ideal for him. And also, he could still look at signing a big ticket after that four-year contract is done because he'll be 27 when this four-year extension would kick in, 31 when that deal is done. I mean, at 31 years old, Darnell Nurse might still be playing some of the best hockey in his career. (laughs) It it
0: It, might be his best hockey, yeah. Right. And
1: and then he would still be due for... Who knows how big of a, a cap? Now, obviously, we're seeing some big money being handed out recently, and there's been rumors that uh, he could be getting anywhere from eight to nine million. And obviously, as much as we love the guy, you'd love to see that cap come down a little bit just to help on the books. It, it has nothing to, to do with us not thinking he's deserving of it. He was one of the best defensemen in the NHL this year, top 10 for sure. Obviously, he finished seventh in Norris voting.
0: But you know, keep in mind that doesn't kick in though until next year, right? Yeah, so, he'd yeah. still
1: be 5.6 for this year. And who knows, what if the salary cap does go up for the 2022
0: 23 season? Well, so, and I, I would expect Clefbaum to be off the books by next year if he doesn't yeah. play again this year,
1: right? Yeah, well, he's under contract for next season, as he well.
0: is, but I, I just think something's going to happen there, okay. right? Yeah. Like IR or whatever, right? Like yeah. I. Yeah. The other thing is, too,
1: do we even want to risk getting into a bidding war for Darnell Nurses Services? No, absolutely not. Because he is a UFA. He will have been with the organization for 10 years from the time he was drafted. um, Or, sorry, uh, make that nine years from the time he was drafted next summer. So I just think we look at what happened with Nugent Hopkins this year. I wanted Nuj to be signed before the season even started so we didn't have to worry about this during the, the hockey season. And of course, there were gonna be rumors leading up to the trade deadline. There was gonna be rumors in the summer that the Oilers would get outbid or that he would you know, try and get the most amount of money. he could. And it's just, I'm looking for the word here, but it's a, it's a headache that they don't need to create for themselves. They can just have this settled ahead of time and then you don't have to have that lingering over your head because what if nurse has 10 goals at christmas time and he's plus 15 or something you know and then you're thinking oh man that number is just going to climb and climb now he's nine million for sure and then oilers in in his camp want to get into negotiations and they're like well we'd really prefer to wait until the the end of the season so then those trade rumors are going to come up again in april it's just you know, I would like to just have this contract out of the way, have the Oilers three biggest core pieces, I guess you could even include Nugent as four. to have nurse signed uh, for multiple years, and then you can just build the team around them because he's clearly the Oiler's number one defenseman now, and he's about to get paid like one.
0: Yeah, I mean it's uh, here here'm you know i'm just I'm putting this tweet out right away here, but when you think about it. Yeah. And you need, you, you've got now, I think about four, well, you've got four seasons, one, well, actually five seasons of McDavid left, right? Four seasons of sidle. Yeah. And four seasons of sidle. And you've got five seasons of Nugent Hopkins. Right. And you're going to have, you well, know, eight. what eight in total, but yeah. Yeah. And, 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 um, you know, There's you're going to have,
1: where they're all together.
0: Yeah. yeah. But you're going to have, uh, you know, another at, well, eight seasons of Hyman and then potentially if you get the nurse extension done. So my question is right. And none of these guys, right. The oldest of them is Nugent Hopkins. I mean, Hyman, I guess would be the oldest if he, if he gets in there. Right. But these guys are all, you know, in the next four or five seasons, they're all going to be around that 30, 31, you know, year old uh, Mark except for Nuge and, and Hyman. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, that's a core that you can win a couple Stanley Cups with, Absolutely. right? Like that's a, that's a core that, you know, you can build around. And and if you, and if you are uh, seeing the salary cup, uh, rate, uh, salary cup, salary cap, I'm already <laughs> thinking Stanley Cup. Me too. If you <laughs> if you see the salary cap raise over the next four or five years, I mean, this is a this is a team. I mean, who knows what what happens with Pulleyrv? He's still an RFA after next season, right? Right. You know, and and guys like Holloway and McLeod and and those are some you know. They'll have some bargain contracts buttons, for sure. Right?
1: Yeah, like that's the thing when you have the big ticket contract Bouchard,
0: we're not Bouchard, we're not yeah.
1: even adding Bouchard in there. Yeah, Bouchard has two years left on his entry deal at I believe. I want to say 863000 So, I mean, what happens if he is the Oilers' top power play quarterback at, while he's still on that contract? I mean, to have your, your power play defenseman and a, a guy with 50 to 60 point potential making under a million dollars a year, those are the bargain contracts you need. When you have guys like McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nurse, Nugent Hopkins under contract for bigger money, you have to have those cheap deals. And the Oilers need that second wave of talent to support them. They need Carter Savoy to come in and be a a third-line goal scorer for them, or even higher. We'll see. They need Holloway to become a top six forward, Borgo to become a top six forward, Raphael Lavoie to become a middle six forward. these are the guys that have to support during the McDavid era. And all of a sudden you're going to have four or five guys making under a million dollars a year. And, you know, you can't bring them all in at once, but still having them all on the team.
0: Yeah. And that's not, and that's not counting, you know, the possibilities of, you know, free agency or trades or any of those things you've got, you know, as a fan base, I mean, we're looking actually pretty sweet over yeah. the next four or five years now i don't i don't know how much of that is is just good fortune but you know of another thing ken too. Holland. some of that is ken holland for sure My it life. is right yeah signing making sure Nuge got signed right giving him long term so that he could get the deals down right exactly these, these are going to be uh contracts that everybody's going to love uh you know going into you know a couple of years from now right look at you know Love or hate Shirelli, but look at the dry cycle contract. Yeah, he did amazing with that.
1: Shirelli yeah. had some. Shirelli had some good moves. It's just that he had so many bad moves that it's hard to get him
0: credit. <laughs> well, that's that's it. I mean, it, you know, uh, we could we could spend a whole episode of that. We're um, uh, we're running out of time. Actually, uh, speaking of which, we got about fifteen minutes left uh Let's talk about uh Neil, the buyout for Neil. Yeah. We you know, um, I think that opens that was, up some
1: more cap space, right? Yeah. We're, like we're talking about. Uh, I mean, look, he's got what, 24 goals in his last 84 games. So there is going to be someone who will give him a contract, probably for about a million and a half a year. um If he was only making that amount, then you could still keep him in Edmonton. But the fact that you can free up 3.8 million in cap space and Get Cleft Bomb on LTIR and get another 4.1 million. Now you're looking at ooh, quick math, uh, 7.9. So almost eight extra million in cap space. Like you can do a lot with that money. Now some of that money will be going to like a guy like Nurse down the road, but not for this season. That's money that you can use to upgrade your team right now. And Ken Holland needs to add a couple defensemen. He needs to add still a couple wingers because as much as we like these young guys who we talked about, the Oilers need sure things right now. You can have these young players come up and steal jobs and push them for jobs.
0: Absolutely.
1: But in the Connor McDavid era, when he's right in the absolute prime of his career, we need more sure things on the roster and we need some guys who can win right now because as good as a player, as I think Dylan Holloway is going to become in the NHL, I'm, I'm still not sure if he's ready to help them win in October. He might be, but that's a lot to ask of a 20-year-old kid who has never played a game of professional hockey. So that's what I'm saying. If they can go out there and get a Zach Hyman, who we know what you, you can expect from him, if they can go out and get um, another defenseman to fill in on the back end until uh, Broberg's ready, Sam Rukov's ready, you know, that's going to help out. Uh, even Ryan Getzlaff is a third line center who was rumored as Edmonton being one of the landing spots for him tomorrow. There's there's a, a lot of options out there, and, and that $8 million aside from the other cap space they already had, uh, I, I expect a lot of it, if not all of it, to be used.
0: Yeah, they're going to, I mean, there's lots of different things. Would you have bought uh, Koskinen out?
1: Uh, no, because I think if you bury him in the minors, You're almost getting as much savings, I believe, and also with Koskinen. There's only one year left on the deal. I would rather just suffer through, and maybe even suffer is not the right word because I think Koskinen has had some good games in Edmonton. It's just a a hell of a year. The year prior, prior,
0: right? He's he's got
1: more wins for the Oilers than he does losses. You -hmm. know, but obviously he's a guy who's seen it late in the season. Just you can't trust him out there right now, and I, I hate to say that because. You know, I want to support all the Oilers players. I'm not the type of fan who likes to get down on these guys, but just I I don't have as much faith in him right now. He doesn't inspire a ton of confidence with his recent play. And I would rather just get through one more year of him on the books than buy him out and have that lingering for two years. You know, let's just get through this year. Maybe they can trade him, even salary retained, whatever you got to do. But why extend this further? Now with the James Neal thing, you know you're looking at even more dead cap over the next four years and and like we sort of talked about if that salary cap goes up it, it makes it easier to stomach but when you've got neil on the hook for 1.9 million for the next four years y- you don't need to add to that
0: yeah I, I i mean yeah that part uh that part is interesting right i mean right. you yeah, have you um you know, you've only got the one year. I, my biggest concern with this team right now, obviously, is is adding one more piece. I, I think the loss of Larson was a big deal, right? Uh, obviously, but, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, they can, they can find somebody. I, you know, I love the way, the one thing I loved about, um, not the one thing, I think there are a few things that I like Francis did in Seattle, but that mm-hmm. defense is going to be killer right? Like it's going to hurt, <laughs> you know, for yep. uh, anybody that's wanting to be in front of the net in Seattle, they're going to pay, right? That's a big defensive core. Um, I would love to see uh, the Oilers get a little bit of size uh, in to replace Larson, you know, and and I don't know who that is, but uh, if, if whether they do it early, I, I don't think you need a guy like that early in the season, but certainly in the, you know, come, come the deadline, that kind of guy, uh, if he exists and he's available, um, you know, certainly, certainly is worth it. And, uh, and who knows what happens at the deadline this year. Right. I think, I think the one thing that, uh, you know, I love, uh, about the way the Oilers are made. And, um, is that this, this team, I think finally has the, the makings of a core that will get us to the, not to the, um, finals, but get us to the playoffs every year. And the area that I'd love to see Holland improve upon is maybe making a little bit more of a splash at the deadline. In fact, I, I love his patience in the off season. Uh, you know, not maybe not giving too much away, Right. Um, but I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't, I would be all right with him, you know, making a, a Keith type of move, but at the deadline rather than in the off season. You know what mm-hmm.
1: I mean? Yeah. And, and look, I feel that we're at the point with a lot of fans that no matter what move Holland does, he's going to be criticized for it. It's just, it gets to that point where it's, you know, it's like when, when someone's in your doghouse, how hard they have to work to get out of it. Uh, I'm not saying for you and I, literally, I'm, I'm pretty easy to forgive. But, um, you know, for, for a lot of people, though, like if, if, if you've wronged them once or twice, it's just you're, you have such a, such a short leash. And I feel like even if Holland does make a good trade, uh, the fans who are down on him won't really come out and applaud him for it. They'll be like, well, it's about time he finally made a good one. It's, it's going to be more of that treat. So I just think that you have to look at the results. And since Ken Holland came to town, the Oilers have made the playoffs in both years, and they've been second place in the division with home ice advantage both years. Now, they haven't got anything done in the playoffs, but they've been a very good regular season team. And this is the first time in two decades that the Oilers have made the playoffs in back-to-back years. And I know people will say, oh, well, the expectation should be higher with McDavid and And yes. It should, but still, the results back to back years in the playoffs. We haven't seen this in a long time. And I think he deserves some credit for that, although he probably won't get it from a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I'm, and I, and I am, I am in that boat. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 100% going to give him credit for that. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but you know, I, I, I know what you're saying. I, but who was the
1: last GM to do that? It, the last GM to make the playoffs in back to back years. Was Glenn Sather? I mean, that's how long it's been.
0: So, and coincidentally, though, gifted with you know a ton of talent, right? And I think you know, as as I suggested earlier, I mean, you you with this core, which were all there prior, right? Mm -hmm. They're in that they're in that point of time that anything less than playoffs would be, you know, pure mismanagement.
1: Yes, right, the but, Oilers have to yeah. make like I think the Oilers have established that over the past two years that they are a perennial playoff team or they should. Like that's the making yeah. the playoffs is the the absolute bare minimum. That is the that is the bar. Um I think we can even go higher than that. The, like I said with the Oilers having back-to-back second place finishes in the division, that should almost be the bar, like the bottom bar. You either you either win the division which you should aspire to and aim for, or at at worst, you finish second. They need to be at least a top two team in the Pacific. If you're going to win a Stanley cup, you can't have Seattle finishing ahead of you. Calgary finishing ahead of you. Vancouver, these teams need, you have to leave them in the dust basically, as you push towards winning a championship.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the, um, and that's the next step, right? Let's talk about, um, uh, Quickly before we go, uh, we've mm-hmm. got uh, a couple minutes left. Um, I didn't hear the CC rumors. Did you hear this today?
1: Just barely that Edmonton was one of the potential options for him, but it uh, doesn't sound like anything's imminent.
0: Now, Getzlaff. This is, yeah. by the way, Getzlaff is exactly the player I've been screaming to have on the Oilers, right? Like a Corey Perry, Getzlaff. <laughs> laugh right? Yeah. Patty Maroon, you know, real, real, real character, gritty, you know, can, uh, can, he can really, um, you know, he's the kind of guy you talk about oh. in the playoffs. I mean, there's just, there are just so many things that I see Getzlaff brings to this team. Um, that would be awesome. I, I know LeBron, uh, was one of the ones that said, um, potentially Edmonton montreal dallas and boston were yeah. were his uh i mean I, I it seems to me though and i'll say this every time somebody like gets goes on the market edmonton comes up in conversation right yeah and so i think a lot of it is just oilers fans you know s- suggesting that hey we'd love to have a player like that and, and whether or not i could see gets um well <laughs> you know at least having a conversation i just don't know that you know, coming from California and playing at Edmonton would be, I mean, he is right from Regina.
1: So, you know, the, the cold, the cold weather isn't anything new to him, but obviously
0: no. he's got expect- a Calgary connection to obviously right. playing the hitman.
1: But when you've, you know, been in Anaheim for the past 16 years, I, I expect that that's probably where he's going to retire and, you know, live after he's done playing hockey. But, For him to come up in Edmonton for a year or two and try and win one last Stanley Cup, I mean, the guy is 36. And it's unlikely that if he stays in Anaheim, he's ever going to win another one. And he might be content with that to just stay where he is and, you know, go end to end with one organization. And I think people would still respect that if he did that. But if he does want to try and chase one last cup, then... The Oilers would be a great option for him and to come into a team with Duncan Keith, who he knows from Team Canada. So there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of a connection there. Um, I believe that, you know, playing with McDavid and Drysidle would be enticing to a guy like that who he can pass some veteran leadership and mentorship off to those guys and, you know, show them what it takes to win in the playoffs and just be around elite players who give him a chance to win another cup. I think these are all really intriguing things for someone like that. He might still see Boston as a better fit, Montreal, Dallas. But, you know, other than Dallas, Edmonton's the closest to Anaheim. It's it would only be either one flight or two flights away. So if he has to go home for the Olympic break to visit or at Christmas or something, just makes it a little easier to go visit family, especially as the borders, you know, open up a little more. And I don't know. I I just think that that would be an ideal third line center for them if they could make it work. It all just comes down to term and dollar uh, at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I um it, exactly that, right? I would be curious what um you know, if he's having those discussions today where whereabouts they end up. Uh Absolutely. the uh, uh the interesting thing uh for Oilers fans out there if that were to happen is uh if the Oilers were to get uh go a little bit deeper into the playoffs, I'd be curious if Kessler would cheer <laughs> <laughs> cheer on the Oilers or not.
1: Well, you know, uh, Tyler Campbell, who I've had on my podcast before, yeah. he runs the, uh, his own podcast as well. Yeah, um, soups. he Yeah, Supes. Uh, he, uh, he posted, I want to see if I can find the exact tweet that I commented. Uh, he said, I would love to see Getzlaff as an oiler. I won't believe it till I see it. If it were to happen, though, I would guess Corey Perry is next in line with them. Can you imagine Ryan Getzlaff at Corey Perry in an Oilers jersey? Honestly, oh, I, wouldn't know, I wouldn't know how to feel at first.
0: Yeah, you know, I, first off, I would love, and I've put the tweets out there, I would love Corey Perry to put on an Oilers uniform.
1: Well, I feel like after all the hurt he's done to this organization over the past 15 years, he kind of <laughs> owes us. <you> know, <laughs> yeah, sport. he owes
0: us something. Yeah, I, You he, know what? I, I hate the player. Only because he's not an oiler, but if he was an oiler easily, he'd be one of my favorite players. And if he's
1: going to punch someone in the back of the head or, you know, uh, cross check someone or spear someone, I'd I'd like him to be doing it for us, at least instead of happening to us.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs)
1: Can you imagine him and him and Kachuk going at it in the battle of Alberta? That would be fun.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll see if Kachuk uh, remains a flame at the end of this year. Right, rumors the <laughs> the out season. there that he wants to go home. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. All right. Well, we're uh, we're there. We're at the um, seven o'clock back home in, in Edmonton. It's been a good show, as always, Eric. It's been fun to have you. And yeah. uh, lots. Uh, you know what? It's um, as as the years uh, carry on. I think. Um, uh, with Holland, at least we at least we've got something to talk about with the Oilers. I don't think it's all as negative as everybody should make it out it to be. It. It's been, it's been, it's been good. We've got a good team. We've got as you know we talked about a perennial playoff team. I think, mm-hmm. barring you know anything, and I, I think we've got. You know pieces uh, that still need some movement, but we're going to see some of those uh, come uh, to fruition, I think shortly I I, I I suspect as as mostly as it mostly happens, it usually happens pretty early in free agency what happens and where and and so we're going get uh, we're going to get to see some of that over the next couple of days. Uh, one hot take for uh free agency. what do you think? uh one hot take ooh. Okay. Uh, Aside from
1: signing uh, uh, Hyman tomorrow, the Oilers will also ink Thomas Tatar to a one-year deal.
0: Actually, I could see—I could totally see that happening. There
1: you go. That's (laughs) there is going to
0: be there is going to be one major signing that the Oilers do that will be so like that will incense half the um, fan base there always is and I'm really curious who it would be and I could actually see Tatar being one of those uh, signings that would bug you know half the Oilers fan base and the other half would absolutely love the idea so absolutely yeah so we'll see all right uh next week I've got uh Bruce McCurdy on oh nice yeah, so that's good. He's always good and fun, and I love his perspective. It's, um, absolutely, you know, typically a uh, little bit of, uh, you know, the eye check and, and some analytics all put in together. In fact, uh, and if he listens, I, I'm sure he'll laugh, but I think he's one of the more most rational fans on Twitter, and I yeah. uh, usually love his perspective. Um, so I'm really excited to have Bruce on, as always. And uh, Eric, I've had uh, him thanks. on my
1: podcast as well. He's a great yeah. guy
0: yeah absolutely yeah so um thanks again uh, for joining me we'll Thank see you. everybody again next week tuesday 6 p.m mountain for oilers live hopefully by that time next week we're going to have a couple of new announcements uh, looking forward to doing that and uh, also if you get a chance subscribe wherever you get podcasts you can listen to um the recording of tonight's uh, live stream which is always there uh but even more so you can go uh, listen to the 99 forever podcast you can find eric on twitter at eric j Friesen, and then uh, all of his podcasts the 99 forever podcasts you can find on the oilers live channel right here Love right here on there yep you bet it's been a pleasure it has been a pleasure And we are out of here.